KZSU 90.1 Stanford. I'm sitting here with Hamid Sinno from the group uh, band slash project Mashru'a Layla, whose music has been playing on KZSU for the past year, whose album has topped the charts, the world charts here at KZSU for most airplay. And uh, Mr. Hamid Sinno has kindly agreed to sort of a uncomfortable or comfortable interview with our listeners and uh, we're sitting here by the uh, Mediterranean as Hamid uh, attempts to uh, make sense of this interview. Hamid, welcome to uh, KZSU 90.1 FM, Stanford University. Hi KZSU. So uh, did you, were you aware that you have mass appeal on college radio? No, I was not before. Uh, this is the first time you actually find out. Yeah. Is this because you're not looking at sales, promotions, you're just I so mean, yeah, it's not like that's... I, I don't really take care of that part of everything. Who does? Um, Andre, most of the time, deals with stuff related to management and uh, Brahim looks at statistics online of where we're getting play and where we're not. And you're more concerned with the writing, yeah. singing, so I think we should just begin very briefly with the beginning. All right. Project of One Night, mm -hmm. Layla's project. This is not a band. This is a project. Uh, you don't like to be called a band. No, I mean, we're, we're a lot more comfortable with being called a band now. It's just when we started, it was... It was um, our intention was to begin a workshop where people would walk in and out and just play whatever they wanted um, and just have a, a space to, um, to make music whenever they needed to with no pressure, no, um, no final product that was required. Um, and then at some point we decided that the seven of us would make a band out of it. And by us you mean... These I mean the current members of the band. And Our bassist changed a couple of times, but apart from that it's... And you were all students at the American University yeah. in Beirut, the AUB. Mm -hmm. Most of us were in the same department as well. We were all studying architecture or graphic design. Um, actually, they're all studying architecture. I'm the only designer in the band. Um, so we're all in the same building and we just wanted to make music. And as, as a type of workshop? Yep. You never imagined that it would become... No, none of us had any idea. No one had any idea when we started. We, I mean, we still... Most of us still struggle with, I guess, trying to understand the gravity of what's been happening and people's reactions and... So all the positivity we've been getting is, it's extremely rewarding but yeah we started with just the intention of making music and so you were a student at the AUB yeah. and you were a graphic graphic design graphic major. design major and somebody said come to this workshop and yeah. we're gonna sort of jam and see what happens and you went and met these people for the first time or exactly I mean we had met before but none of us were, were friends um, some of us harbored um, <laughs> certain antagonisms, I guess, towards each other, but, um, but yeah, it was, we, I guess, came together over the workshop. And the band's name was born out of yeah. that day. Yep. When did you realize that this could be more than a one-night gig? Um, I think it was around the first time we played uh, Fête de la Musique in Beirut. It's a street festival where bands from all around the country come and play on different stages around the city uh, depending on the genre that they're playing um, and the audience reaction was phenomenal I think we all felt a bit more pressure then and you remember that night yeah of course and you remember thinking this is something that I could do 
for the rest of my life, yeah. For the rest of your life? Totally. Do you picture yourself doing it for the rest of your life? I mean, I hope so. I'm not, I'm not sure I'll necessarily be successful, but, but yeah, I'd love to be, I mean, there's nothing I love more in the world. And so then the next step came when you decided to put together a CD yep. of the song. Well, I mean, we, we registered for this competition and then what we won was supposedly a CD deal. But that didn't end up happening because we had a bit of a problem with the rest of the terms in the competition. So we just got other producers at that point um, and we produced the first album. What year was that? 2009. 2009. And so... I know in Lebanon, when you mention Masrur Layla, people have an idea. Is that the same over the, all over the Arab world, or has it skipped the Arab world and gone into the West? No, I mean, it's been, it's been beautiful in the rest of the region, particularly in Cairo. Um, we just played a few concerts there, and, and the amount of support we got was incredible, and, and people were so positive, and we showed up, and everyone knew our lyrics and was singing along. It's a completely surreal <laughs> experience. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've had a lot of support in Cairo. From what I hear, there's a lot of support in, in Amman as well. Um, I don't know much about Damascus apart from there being a few fans that actually flew into Beirut for, uh, drove into Beirut for, for a bunch of our concerts here. Um, and we've, we've had a, a, a really great online following from Palestine that we unfortunately can't pursue because of the legal setup with, with the border crossings. and. So you've never performed there? In Palestine? No, but we, we'd all, yeah. you know. Would you like to? Yeah, I'd, I'd give up an arm, I guess, or something. Nice. Um, and what about college radios? I know in the States your music's been being picked up by college radio. It seems to immediately appeal to college kids in that radical stage of, you know, um, networking and grassroots movements. Um, are you aware of that? And no. how much of that is something that appeals to you? I mean, I, I think it's incredible that that's what, what's happening. Um, and sort of funny, because at the time we were writing the first album, particularly the, particularly the lyrics, um, I think we were all going through that phase where we were starting to, to look at our politics and our, our, you know, our ideology of choice, I guess. Um, so I think it's great that that's translating, you know, internationally into audiences with, with similar backgrounds or or phases. I don't know, um, but no, I didn't know. I, I mean, I knew I knew we were playing on your um, radio show. Yeah, absolutely. But you've been playing on UCSF and, and I had no idea. Stations. I mean, they've been spinning that it's on the playlist. It's Amazing. The I knew we were on NPR as well, actually. But NPR, apart from that, yes. So it, it starts with Freedom Radio and Free Speech Radio, but College Radio seems to be the, 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 the niche here. Do you feel like a college sort of tour would be uh, appropriate at this uh, I mean, we, we'd love to do it, but again, we're seven people, which makes it very hard to fund everything. Um, and we don't like playing unless it's, you know, the seven of us together. Um, also, I mean, I, I'm not sure how big of a big of an audience um, we'd be able to you know, pull out into a concert in the states. Um, we'd all love to play there, but how feasible it is is questionable, I guess. And so, the first album, which is self-titled, was released. It's actually on iTunes now, finally. 
thank you for listening to the <laughs> mass emails that were, that were sent to you. We we had been meaning to put it online actually from um, from the day the album was launched in Beirut, which was before it was even selling in the region or anything. And there were people that were supposed to be taking care of that. Um, they didn't end up doing it, but we figured out quite recently that it's not that difficult to do, and we just did it ourselves and. And so the album's out there, and I think the the songs that appealed most, at least to American listeners, American <coughs> audiences, has been, um, you know, obviously the, what they call the Betanjan song, which, yeah. and the second one is Fasatin, uh, which I think the video was playing in the cafeteria at Stanford every 10-15 cool. minutes as part of the rotation of you know you had you were between somewhere between Lady Gaga and. Uh, I don't know. It's insane. Like a local Stanford band. Um, how much uh, of the videos are you involved in, and um, how um, much does the video inform the song, or vice versa? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess what we've been trying to do with both of the videos, our approach with the stuff that we're we're trying to get produced now is is a bit different. But what we were doing at the beginning was sort of just letting the people that we agreed to work with to do whatever they wanted. I mean, there's nothing more annoying than being in a creative field and having to deal with a client who's constantly reworking the brief so that it fits them and not your interests or whatever. So we sort of just let the people do whatever they wanted. Um, obviously we were there to, to help when, when questions were asked or when we had a good idea that we thought they could make use of, but otherwise it was, it was the production studios that, that are completely responsible for, for the outcomes. Because the video for the first song was visually Layla. Uh, the the Batin Jam yeah. song, right? The X-Plant song, they, uh, they call yeah, it. Yeah, Rasat Layla. Rasat Layla. That video was stunning. I mean, it just yeah, was I think visually it's interesting well. and that made people more interested in the song because the genre that you're kind of producing is not your typical classical Arabic genre, yeah. nor is it not anti-Arabic. The second video, though, I felt was very um, challenging and very... Uh, Powering, and I think the fact that I saw it play so many times around the Stanford campus, around the UC Berkeley campus, makes me have to ask you about the, the deliberate nature of sort of gender identity in that. Well, I mean, it, it only really comes up when when Carla's in a dress, uh, right. our drummer, which is uh, which is the production studio's idea. Um, and he's oddly tantalizing in the, in the dress. Yeah, he's, he's a very attractive person, but... Um, I mean, th there was no, I guess, overt intention at the beginning to mess with gender. And I, I have these intentions in general with the way I live my daily life, but with the video in particular, again, like I told you, um, it was mostly the, the production houses ideas um, and I guess the, 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 the part with Carla in the dress was there mostly for theatrical you know, gravity I guess can you just tell us from your point of view how what what the video is about I mean how do you see it because obviously the director's intention is not that important okay. if it's not coming through and each person is gonna have their intention what is your view what is your take um, when you see it what do you see I think, I mean, I think one of the strong points of the video actually was, in general, the the approach was very different from that of Rasat Layla. Like it was really just supposed to be a, an, an illustrative video clip for a song, um, where the logic wasn't very far from from the logic of of other popular culture video clips that you could find on on regional 
um, cable. Um, but basically, I think what they were trying to do was was you know go on tangents from the lyrics, and the lyrics of the song are about you know marriage and um, weddings and dresses and blah 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 blah. And they just went on tangents from there and tried to create things that they found visually pleasing. Um, without being too illustrative of the narrative that's already involved in the in the in the text of, of the song, um, so yeah, I think that was their point. But so you're, I'm a little bit surprised that you're not as involved in the video. Um, I mean, we're we're a lot more involved with the stuff we're doing now. Um, we're being a lot more picky about it. Um, but no, we like I told you, it's it's sort of. It's not, you know, Haig out of all of us is, is the most um, is the most suitable to discuss film professionally and, and to actually have a, a well-rounded opinion. With the rest of us, I mean, we're, we're more than aware of our shortcomings. It's really annoying when you have to deal with a client who acts like they sort of know what they're talking about and they they just haven't been to film school. They really, really, really don't know. So you um, concentrate on the lead vocals yeah. mostly. You play any instruments? Um, I mean, I, I play a bit of guitar, but I, I don't do it well, and I would not do it publicly. Did you picture yourself being a vocalist for... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've wanted it since I was a little boy. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah? When did you discover your... Um, I mean, did you have experience sort of singing? Uh, when did you discover... Not really. I, I mean, I, I, I've always... Like, I, I've been singing since I was a little boy, but... Um, I don't know. I think I... Think I started wanting to become a singer after I saw Tina Turner really? <laughs> on television, yeah. Wow. Um, that was also when I learned um, what the word sexy meant for the first time. My father called her sexy and then I, I asked what it meant. Wow. Anyway, um, <laughs> besides the point. Um, no, no, I think that is the point I'm trying to ask is where, where what influenced your... Uh... I mean, when I was a kid, really, it's, it's just always been there. It's always been something I've wanted to do. I, I'm obsessed with sound. Um, in general, and, and the voice, I think, is such an incredible, incredible, incredible tool. Um, I mean, I, I, I wish I knew how to you know, use it better. I, I have no formal training. I've never had access to that. I had, I think, three months access to, um, to acquire um, to some theory when I was in Berlin um, in high school, but that was it. Which surprises me, because I think one of the things about the... Um Mashrua Leila track, at least Shimmel Yasmini, is the powerful vocal um, performance. Thanks. That well, you I mean, because that. with that song in particular, it wasn't something that we had. The, the way it was produced was completely different. I had, you know, been in the pits and, and I, I wrote it at home alone and then I took it to the band, which is not the way things normally work. Normally we just get into a room, everyone starts playing something until we find something we like, and then I write lyrics over it or the other way around. Shamil Yasmin was something, I mean, the music is so basic, it's on loop, because like I told you, I can't really play guitar, and I, you know, where I was at that point, I just needed to sing. Um, so I wrote something in my house, and then I took it to the room, and, and the guys, I mean, I think Brahim's solo, the, the bass solo on that is, it makes me cry every time. Um, but it's a, it's a lot more basic because I wrote it, not like... <laughs> Well, it's a, it, it, I mean, you, you can feel the pain in the song. Thank you, I guess. Which makes everybody want to ask the question I hate to ask, which is, is it based on... A, a true per, story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you want to expand on it, but I've been reading vlogs uh, um, everywhere. There has been everything from betrayals to... Uh, 
marital affairs. Yeah, I, heard, I, I read, I read the marital affairs to, thing online. I, I won't lie to you. Right? Yeah, I mean, we don't have to give too much detail, but um, does that there, kind there was of, no marriage? Um, um, it was a relationship with someone my age, um, who was either intentionally or, or you know, as, as the product of context, um, was very hurtful. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was the first time I really fell in love. And but the words are really humiliated, yeah, jilted, pained lover, and they seem to address another male. Yeah, they do. Which, in some ways, is not uncommon in Arabic music, where you have sort of your address yeah, but that's the beloved in you know masculine terms, sort of maybe to elevate the status. But that's of why the we woman. played with the gender of the vocalist. But as, this was as the narrator. This yeah. was not. No, like no, it wasn't. Habibi means no, no. could mean anything. No, I think I, I think I was more than obvious about trying to make it that. I was also, I mean, at the time when I was writing the song, I was reading um, Brian Whitaker's Unspeakable Love. Um, my opinions on that, I'll, I'll you know, keep to myself as slightly inconsequential at this point. But um, but I thought it was fascinating when he when he spoke about um, regional portrayal of, of homosexuality in popular culture. That I thought it was extremely problematic, is that it always is, you know, dubbed with shame, and, and there's this public shame that happens with choosing to waver masculinity that I thought was fascinating, and that I wanted to put in song because I didn't really find it shameful. Um, I'm guessing a, a big part of the power of that song is that for a lot of people, I mean, for a lot of people, I think what it created was, was something, a, a bit of a conflict of interests. I mean, I, I didn't do this intentionally, so I, I don't necessarily think it's uh, whatever. Um, I think for a lot of people what happened is they were conflicted about either feeling like like they were listening to something that they should you know, judge, and then at the same time that it was situated, you know, as a, as a very personal experience with a lot of emotion and sentiment makes it a bit too human to actually you know frown upon and the reaction to that song specifically has, has been, been beautiful <laughs> beautiful so define beautiful for us because that's um, not really what I've read I mean I, I've read define beautiful for you it's beautiful I mean you okay basically mean beautiful are you aware of the kind of uh, I mean you know what when to? when when some Blogger. Whatever conservative douche is gonna like bring up morality and tradition and and who we are as Arabs and and you know create such a big ethical question over someone just saying you know singing about being in love with another man, then I I think it sort of sheds light on so much. That's what I mean by beautiful. That, okay, then that then I that beautiful. I think I mean there was there was this part in. Um, interview that Michel Foucault gave once um, on, on friendship um, and he, he said this thing that was actually rather emotional and, and extremely uncharacteristic of him but um, where he suggested that what it was about homosexuality that, that people had such a problem with wasn't the actual sexual act it was the idea of being able to conceive of different well, let's wait for that to pass yeah. Beirut. An airplane over Beirut. It was that people can can begin to conceive of different networking, different comradery, something that can completely shake the, the very foundations on which contemporary heteronormative society is, you know, built. Um, so, so for me, when when something like a song becomes a you know a moral polemic, I, mean, I think that's great.
I think so, it's you know a lot more than I was looking for. I mean, I've read things like it's a gay anthem for Arab marginalized sexualities, down to the whole Mashrua Layla project is out to make everybody uh, gay. All the members are, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's true. We have and do an, we all worship all Satan and, backstage and sleep with each other. And but but it is it is sir, the discourse is happening. Um, all over. It's still happening. I checked the vlogs this morning. There were quite a few um, opinions out there. Are you feeling personally... I mean, I think it's really funny that I... that I am in a position where I'm you know, publicly being recognized as my sexuality and my gender instead of my music. I, I find that rather troubling. I mean, I'm, I'm also a musician. There's also stylistic and aesthetic and intellectual input that's going into these things. It's not, you know, hey, homo. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so much more. I, I think it's extremely simplistic and shallow when people reduce it to some surface judgment of someone's sexuality. So I find that extremely bothersome, but otherwise... Well, I mean, granted, that was not the point when you recorded or released that song. But isn't that indicative of the fact that there are, at least all over the Arab world, this yearning to find that anthem? And but they I seem mean, to have found it in that song. You know what? I mean, if, if that's the case, then, then great. But it's definitely not something I'm, I'm looking for. I, I'm, I don't think I'm the kind of person who could handle the responsibility of trying to speak for a social bracket. It's, I mean, doesn't have to be my job I, I don't want it to be my job either um, if people can identify to the music then great that makes me so happy it's ridiculous because that's exactly what music means to me um, but otherwise no it's really not my intention to like I'm, I'm venting I, got I mean you. there's a lot of research that goes into what we write about and how we do it but at the same time there's still a lot of I mean I, I can't get over my own narcissisms and my melodrama and <laughs> feeling like anyone should actually care about that that's also a big part of how we write and absolutely and we don't want to take the, the light away from the fact that the music uh, and the first album is really the music is so interesting and yeah. so different the guys than are incredible produced. and then you went on from that to release the uh, uh, the Clint Eastwood Arab yeah. size version. We're calling it Clint Middle Eastwood. I mean, um, we we didn't really name it that, but some uh, uh, some blogger that one of the correct. Yeah. yeah, and that sort of was seen as the single follow up to the uh, album. I mean, we we have an EP coming out in um in less than a month. That's our follow up to the album. But um but you know, the Oftal isn't even on there. Um, it was something that we just did for Biblos because, I mean, the gorillas were playing there and we loved them. Um, so we thought it would be cool to, to, you know, play a tribute. Yeah. Um, I remember playing both songs to uh, both versions in my class and uh, people sort of really identifying with the, with the Arabic version in a way that was not like it's the copy or the inferior. It was inspired No, I mean, we changed it, yeah. It was, obviously, it was, it was obviously based on, on the song, but I mean, the entire rap part is completely changed. Uh, the music is rather different. Um, yeah, it's not was it envisioned in support of the Egyptian revolution, the Tunisian revolution, or no. was that an after? Like I told you, we wrote it last July, which was before you know anything explicit started happening in Egypt. I mean, things have been bubbling there for years, but nothing had really, really, really. The revolution hadn't formally started, I guess. Um, and then by the time it was done, 
like by the time we finished recording it and, and our video editor was done editing the different footage she had um, the revolution had started in Egypt and actually Haig thought it was um, it was relevant it was, right because the beginning of the video does actually yeah. uh, mention that yeah, yeah he, he put a he put a tag on it actually yeah right because I, I think we were all I mean we we're also shaken by what just happened in Cairo well and the title itself tomorrow is yeah. a better day seems to I mean, really work yeah there, there are things in the prophetic. lyrics that are actually um, that would actually be problematic in light of the revolution so I mean that's why like, like I told you we weren't intentionally trying to address the revolution at the, at the beginning was we had a video that we were going to put out and we were all very very, very moved um, by what was happening in Cairo and Hike felt it was a good idea to just and give the, them that the EP is coming out soon July 29 anything you can tell us what to expect or you want to surprise well, everybody I mean we left our old producers um, and we did our own recording and production on the thing so there are, there are certain things about the sound that are so much stronger we feel than than they were about the first album and there were certain there are certain things about the the new recordings as well that are a lot weaker like the vocals um in general are not as well recorded as they were on the first album um but everything else is, is grand and layered and and very well studied um and i mean all, all the new tracks are are less about beirut and society and they're they're a lot more intimate and personal or at least trying to be um and the music, I mean, the guys are the guys are starting to get to a place, I feel, all of us musically, where it's less about us being in workshop mode, where we just walk in and we each, you know, play our big solo or have little parts at the end. We're actually a lot more concerned with composition and, and working with each other. So I think the music is, is a lot better, you know, laced together. Um, so do you have a date for the potential release? Yeah, July 29th. July 29th, yeah, 2000. That's when it goes out. Okay. It should be on iTunes so we'll, then as well. And we, should be, we will be spinning it on KCSU, definitely. Lovely. And in the works, Hamid, you mentioned a few uh, upcoming concerts. Yep. Nothing in the States yet. Nothing in the States. Oh, actually, we, we're we going to Canada. We're going to Montreal in, um, in September, I think. And we just spoke to a bunch of people really? in New York um, who were interested in getting us. But I mean, nothing's been finalized. But... Well, I would say it on the air that we're working to get you to Stanford and I hope uh, so. get you a sort of a, a, a well-deserved, welcomed reception. I hope so. Uh, Thank with you. With the hope That's that it would, kind you know, kind of pulse you into the uh, the college radio uh, and uh, crowd, and then into college um, concerts. That's extremely kind of you. Um, but you're going to, I hear, to Serbia. Yeah, we're playing at the Exit Festival, which is a big honor for us. Um, I think we're the first regional band to play there um, the lineup is phenomenal I mean they're, they're people I grew up you know worshipping and, and still worship um, so, so we're all very excited about and the date for that is uh, we're playing on the 9th of July but the festival goes on from uh, the 7th to the 11th of July so if anybody's in if you're Serbia, in Serbia come out to the Suba stage on the 9th of July on the 9th of July 2011 and um, any th uh, words of parting words to your faithful listeners. Now, I have to admit, there's a bias in my, the Arabic classes for some reason <laughs> at Stanford. That I'll, that's, uh, I'll that's hold you completely responsible for that one. Yes, I'm mean, guilty as charged, but, but honestly, I mean, I, I play, you know, what I like, and then it's the students who either pick up on it or don't, and yeah. they've picked up on this. So is there a, a special message to the... Uh, I think we have about 240 student, Arabic students who wanted to 
kind of put together a video tribute to you guys. That's still That's in the really making. Kind of I'm allowed to say it. But is there anything you'd like to say to them in parting and to KZSU in general? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess thank you so much for listening to us. And um, we're honored to have people who care about our music all the way in Stanford. Um, I guess that's it. <laughs> I have no idea what to say without sounding like really a giant right. ball of cheese. But <laughs> Thank you, Hamid. We really enjoyed the interview. Thank you, Ramzi. And enjoy Serbia, and we get to Thank see you at Stanford. Inshallah. Hopefully. Inshallah. 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 Inshallah.